When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, I'm so excited about MCP right now. Right. We got some some reveals that you that we have <laughs> we have decided, slash you told me we gotta hold off on talking about for the news That's episode. Right. Uh so just I'm so excited to break it down uh, with you guys next week, right? Yeah, and it's it's crazy because we got all so many balls in the air right now, Chris, and it's, it's a good thing for us on, here on the show and a good thing for Marvel Christ Protocol, but you know, you're listening to this right now. Right now, we're recording on the eve of Warfare Weekend, and th- there's just a lot, right? <laughs> there's a lot. Yes. And it's hard not to talk about maybe some of that, and we're actually gonna, are going to talk about some of that on After Dark, con prep and stuff like that, but I don't know. It, it's a great time. Uh, we're inundated with content and stuff to talk about, and we'll definitely talk about Warfare Weekend after we get back and the news and continue our criminal syndicate series there's a lot i guess today we got to get right into what we're talking about because we did this last year chris i'm really excited to return to our halloween special this time we're in the 2022 variant and it's it's seems fitting because we just did hood you know and we're kind of picking up on a spooky darker more mature gothic ish story and then now we're jumping right into our halloween special again which is very exciting always fun always gives uh an excuse to mention you know it's it's october i hope you're reading some spawn to celebrate correct uh but this year jesse it's very cool because marvel helped us with this spooky season we got werewolf by night the the one hour special on disney plus (laughs) out of left field man 100 percent out of left field uh but very cool and some mcu debuts here that we think are worthy of talking about in the MCP context. But first, that's right. We got to take care of a little business. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games Inc. Go to Discount Games Inc. for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support us, Fury's Finest, at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you'd like to support our show and join our Discord community, check out the Patreon. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. This week, we want to send a very special shout out and thank you to Sean. Sean, thank you, man. Thank you so much, Sean. And of course, we cannot do this show, Chris, without our Avenger producers, Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, Brian, and Rich. Thank you, Avenger team. Thanks, fellas. All right, Chris, let's jump into our Halloween special 2022 with an emphasis on Werewolf by Night. So this is pretty fun today, Chris. We, as you said, Marvel gifted us with a new special. It's not a film. It's not a TV show. It's not a miniseries. It is a special right under an hour. And we decided today while we're in the spirit of spooky season and you're listening to this episode on Halloween, which is very exciting or around the time of Halloween that we would dive into who these lead characters in werewolf by night are. And then also discuss our review 
of the special, like we've done our MCU content in the past and kind of see where the discussion goes around that, because there's a lot of things in here that are going to come up that are just more than the special and more than the characters, right? Oh, it always does. That's why we follow the MCU, right? That's right. So, of course, the special, it, you know, very similar to a, a one-shot style comic book, mm-hmm. uh, is named Werewolf by Night, and the titular character, Jack Russell, the Marvel Universe's very own werewolf. Pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Jack Russell in MCP in the next year, given that he's in the MCU now. Uh, there's, I've been pointing out that correlation for a long time. <laughs> and uh, I don't true. know, man. He could be really cool. He's got super strength, super speed, super senses, regenerates, you know, classic werewolf. And we could probably get a tra- another transform mechanic out of it or transform mechanic user out of it that could be very very fun and also a full lore episode which could also be fun jesse are you very familiar with old jack Uh, a little bit and i think a big part of it has been neat for us because he's come up over the years of us doing this podcast some of his friends in the midnight suns and some other dark areas of marvel occasionally he'll just pop up in a story right so that's cool to me but no, I'd like to learn, learn a lot more about this character because what's always been interesting to me about this character is I'm a huge horror fan, especially classic and monster film horror. And it's neat that they he started out as an homage sort of thing to the Wolfman, classic werewolf stuff. And then it kind of evolved more into a full-fledged superhero. And it's something we see with a lot of these Marvel monster characters. Man-Thing is actually a very similar story as well, where it's like, you know, some of these characters, they start out as a cool Strange Tales one-off thing, and then eventually they became a fully fleshed-out hero or sort of gray hero, you know? And that's the biggest thing I know about him, is that that was a big part of his growth as a character. Yeah, he's definitely in that realm of dracula thor loki pre-existing type of characters not that yes i mean jack russell himself is an original ip but like you said a a very very dialed in homage to the Mm -hmm. wolfman and and yeah he does show up a lot in these kind of marvel monster books and i loved his usage uh in where the werewolf by night special I love that he's going to be showing up. Uh, He's a character that's been a lot more fleshed out in the more recent comic book history, not, not immediate, but you know, this is good stuff. Uh, I, I love a good B list hero, C list hero, whatever, wherever you want to put him. And I think he could make a very, very interesting MCP character, a very, very interesting kit. Yeah. We do love the transform mechanic on this podcast a lot. And I think it's one of the coolest parts of MCP. And I could see yet again, we just did hood, right? Right, Chris. And right. we, we kind of talked about the duality and power of said transform mechanic. Same with Ant-Man and Wasp. And I would love to see more of it in the game. You know, I'd love to see it range from these horror characters all the way to more transforming non-horror characters as well. So Oh, me too. And it would give us more opportunity to talk about the, you know, duality of man through Ooh. through metaphor, MCP metaphor, which I know you're all very, <laughs> very into and why you listen to this Fury's finest uh, philosophies. It's true. Thank you. <laughs> Our philosophies do come up a lot, Chris. They, they, get, they get nestled in. And I think these are the type of episodes we get to do stuff like this, where we talk about what are these greater elements that are maybe below the surface in Marvel. And it's interesting in this universe, like you said, homage initially. And like I was talking about homage initially and kind of being these one-off like strange tales, you know, things. Yeah. And, then it, and then it gets brought into the greater narrative of Marvel. And like these characters come up and help other teams and stuff in the future, you know, and appear with the defenders of the Midnight Suns and things like that. It's very cool. Like the evolution. I don't know. I really like this character and I'd like to know more about him. And I'm, I'm hoping we get to do a deep dive on him on the show, you know? And like you said, it seems like he's going to be in the game more likely than not. Also, when you think about iconic characters to fill out, flesh out the Midnight Suns, the ones we're doing today all come to mind for me. Personally. Oh, yeah. Not to mention a sub-affiliation inside of a sub-affiliation, you know, Ooh. Monster Hunters. Don't tempt me, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so I know, good. man. Pretty That'd cool. Really and good. then could we maybe get a Frankencastle model? Please. Come on. Please. Come on. <laughs> Cowards. <laughs> but it's we daring. talked about philosophy a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
And I have a very, very, just a pillar of my personal philosophies, and it's this, and it's it's that man thing is awesome. 100%. I believe it was the, the beginning core of, of my being, um, and the fact that he is has been included in the MCU now means we're going to see him more. And I think he is a character that deserves to be seen more, deserves more limelight, yep. and I think there's a lot of great stories to be told with what we know uh, of Man-Thing to this mm-hmm. point in uh, Marvel history, not only on the screen, but on the page, Jesse. The page is very big, yeah. And Man-Thing, they've been doing a lot of more cool stuff with him in recent years, and he has grown to become one of my favorite characters in recent years, Chris, because I already have this proclivity towards these monster characters and these great designed visual characters, you know? Oh, yeah, man. It's at least 40% of the reason I'm so obsessed with Venom. It's the first time I saw the design of Venom, you know, and the um, unique take, right? And the iconic look. Man Thing is one of those where it's like, I love the character so much because he's a cool character too on top of this design, but his design is very iconic. And the pop cultural history around him is so interesting. Like him and Swamp Thing were created and introduced almost at the exact same time, same date and everything. I'm really glad you mentioned that. Um, they're both awesome characters. They are both, right. I don't want to say, for, for characters that are very similar, they're very different. I know. I know that Which that doesn't good. make a whole lot of sense, but it does Visually, make sense. Visually, they're similar. I mean, even story-wise. I mean, origin yeah. story-wise. Origin story-wise, yes, of course. They're they're very similar. but Created in the swamp from the you depth. You know, s- secret serums and, and the whatnots. And once but, again, we're in that homage territory again still, right, Chris? Like, we, we are in that creature from the Black Lagoon area. And then it's like expanding on that. Making this fully fleshed out character is super neat. And um, I just find it so interesting that they were created at the same time. And, you know, I learned a pop culture trivia thing a while ago about man thing and swamp thing both their oh. creators were roommates around the time okay. that they they created these so now does that mean anything doesn't really probably mean anything but i bet it means a lot <laughs> creative juices were flowing in that house and uh mm-hmm. someone went movies, DC and movies someone went were being watched yeah you know exactly. whatnots yeah mm-hmm. but it's cool and they are very different characters and over the years, they've got they've grown even more different because DC and Marvel have done cool things with both, respectively. Well, and to be fair, Swamp Thing is awesome. <laughs> yeah. He's just had he's had so much more time, though. He's had his own book, just classic runs, like yeah. classic uh, Alan from, from the eighties and things. Just, yeah. just you know, you have to read them. Now that we're talking about them, I'm gonna start rereading them. But. Mm-hmm. You know, Man Thing has been way less utilized over the yes. years. Uh, more of a cameo type character, rarely getting his own books, getting his own one shots from time to time. But I- I'm so excited that he's kind of started to s- regain a little bit of his humanity in the Marvel uh, yes. 616, able to communicate less of the just instinctual empath, like mm-hmm. maybe just a kind of up jumped plant type thing Yep, and, and more kind of human avatar of sorts. I don't know. Not, not to get too swamp thing about it, but yeah, no, I mean, they fleshed out his backstory more and he is deeply tied to, he was human and there's super serums involved and all kinds of stuff. And his human self died and he was reborn as the band thing through multiple processes of the serum plus the swamp. Yeah. It depends elements. on which version you read. Exactly. But it's like, I like that they've explored that later in his story, kind of like we did with the Brubaker cap stuff, where it's like, oh, show stuff from the past, but show more of it, you know, in modern comics, but they're flashbacks. You know, they've done that with Man Thing, and I find that very cool. Even even his early days, Chris, where he was just this sort of lumbering swamp creature that couldn't communicate, just the concept that he would like find characters with an inordinate amount of fear or anger or something. And he would just touch them and rid them of their life. You know, he's more of a villain at first, you know, and that's uh, less, less so a villain. I mean, he's always going to be a monster man versus nature, sort of man versus creature creature sort of thing. It's the same way the Hulk's been used from time to time. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, most recently mm-hmm. in that Immortal Hulk run, which is completely awesome, even though uh, the penciler is kind of a not cool dude. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, he's he's kind of that that big bad monster waiting for the bad guys at the end of the you know bad thing, and it's it's cool. Yeah, it's an excuse to tell stories from other perspectives and uh, give these that. kind of morally gray kind of characters uh, some real gravitas and and real weightiness to them. Yeah, and giving him the addition to speak last decade or so. I think really opened him up in a really unique way because he is different. Even the way he speaks and stuff, it's very similar. It's, it's kind of like loosely like Groot or something where it's like you communicate, but it's, it's not human to human per se, you know, it's a little bit different. Right. I don't know. I think that's kind of what I really fell in love with the man thing, because to me, you know, I love Lovecrafty and horror and things like that. And to me, it's like, he's like, he's kind of like, like Cthulhu meets Chewbacca. And that seems like a combo that just wouldn't work. And it, it kind of does work. It's just, it's, it's that power, that cosmic power of that monster, but then he actually can communicate and he's very loyal to his buddies, you know? And, um, that's the route they've taken him in recent years. And I love that. And I love that he's in the midnight suns and he's, he's a very helpful member of the team, even though he doesn't appear as much. Another thing I love is his power kind of deriving from there the, we go. the kind of um, Cthulhu part. <laughs> yeah. The space between dimensions. Yeah. I think that's very, very cool. I think it's very cool that he can kind of teleport wherever he needs, needs to go. He's completely immortal. You just can't, you literally cannot kill the man thing. You can destroy his body, but he right. will regrow. Pretty wild. It's, um, Icon- you know. what an what an iconic character design yep. those just giant glowing red eyes and the <laughs> the, the, the beard tendrils it, it, yeah. you know just whatever foliage can be bl- blooming and and what what not yep. off the body very very cool now the foliage is like that is takes it over the top and i love that but chris we have one more character to talk about today and then we're gonna have an mcp discussion a very important character in marvel especially in this kind of world we're talking about this ethos of monsters monster monster hunting kind of the dark side of marvel you don't see as much of we've, we've talked about this a lot in our midnight suns characters episodes check out our ghost rider and blade episodes but elsa bloodstone this character is very interesting that mm, you talked about <clears throat> how cool it was to have these sort of pop culture reference points and we've even talked about in our blade episode how pivotal dracula is even to blade's story in the early days you know He's pivotal to uh, Werewolf by Night, too. 100%. And it's like to have a character like Elsa Bloodstone, who is this 616 universe's sort of Van Helsing of sorts, keeping right. within this pop culture theme of our world. But then she becomes her own fully fleshed out character over time. That's a really good character. I don't know. I think it's very cool. She is an interesting character. Uh, her father is a real Ulysses Bloodstone's a real uh, piece of work. Piece of work. Yep. But yeah, I, I'm excited to see what she's going to look like in MCP because there's no question she's coming. Uh, of these three, it's <laughs> it's her, right? Like for sure, you would imagine. Yeah. So give us give us a rundown of what's Elsa Bloodstone's. What's her shtick? What's her powers? We've referenced monster hunting, and we've referenced her dad. Of course, the lineage comes from her dad and her family of the Bloodstones, right? Right. Uh, her dad is Ulysses the Immortal. Uh, her mother was a mortal woman. Elsa was was essentially trained by him for the most part. Uh, she's she's got some superhuman strength, speed, agility. You know, normal, Meta-human normal stuff. Marvel baseline superhero stuff. A little bit of regenerative factor. She's essentially genetically her father uh, when it comes to that. Like when it comes to her abilities. Uh, she is also immune to vampire bites, which is great for dealing with vampires. <laughs> She's got quite a bit of accoutrement, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of weapons. Uh, you know, the blood gem, of course, firebolts out of an apparently you know. Uh, implanted magic hand i you know she's she's got a lot going on she's got a kind of a lot of lore kind of in world but she's only been around since 2001 uh in our world kind of right uh, so made but yeah she's much newer than blade much newer than man thing much newer than werewolf by night but she is but she's associated with them all right right and she's made a big splash in marvel since she came out Honestly, and that's that's the sort of thing you were talking about, Chris. Where it's like, oh man, things been around for fifty years, but 
how many issues has he actually come up in over time? You know, how spaced out were sure. they? Similar to our discussion recently about Dr. Voodoo. Yes. Like he's been around quite a while, but even more obscure, I would say, for man thing. Exactly. Of course, of course. I'm just saying that Elsa, I don't know, it feels like they had a in being the two thousands, they already probably had a more set plan, at least for her going forward. It's, you know, very different from Marvel sure. in the sixties and seventies, right, into where we are now. So very cool. Very cool. Um, and to have a, a mortal person here. But, you know, metahuman too. You know, there's a lot of things, but I, I always find that cool because we've we've talked recently about Blade. We've talked recently about Moon Knight and we're kind of talking more about the Midnight Suns, Chris, like we did last Halloween episode. We absolutely are. And we love the Midnight Suns and we love the Midnight Suns storyline, Damnation. That's right. Uh, which happens in, of course, a Doctor Strange uh, book, but for the most part, but these characters were in that run, uh, almost all of them, not not, yeah. not Jack Russell. But first off, go read that. It's really fun. Second, they're back. They're here. I think they're going to be in MCP. Mm-hmm. They're being used in the MCU. They're being used in the 616. It's really exciting. I want to see new takes on these characters, uh, at least two of these older characters and I want to see where Elsa goes, but I'd really like to see the, you know, more things from their perspective. Personally, this could just be all of the, uh, the, the spooky season talking. It's true. You know, it's the best of us all. But it does. Yeah. It does. It's hard no, to man resist. Thinks my number one model. I won the game at this point. He just is what? Okay. Now that I've seen him in the MCU, I I'm going Chris theory here where it's like, well, even if AMG didn't know that was coming, now they do, right? And oh, yeah. it's a sort of it's the sort of mind where it's like he could be so unique on the tabletop, but on top of that, we know how AMG sculpts, and this would be probably oh, one I of know. the best sculpts right out the gate. It would just be one of the best sculpts. I could just see them like he doesn't have to be doing much. He could just be lumbering along, like picking up his foot. And he'd be on a big base too. So yeah, exactly. plenty of room to work. Minimum of fifty millimeter, mm-hmm. ideally a sixty-five, but even if it's fifty millimeter, it's like they can work more. And they would. I could see these sculpting of these flowers and the moss and Oh yeah. I don't know. That that'd be number one for me. But you referenced early on, Chris, the viability and the fun of Jack and his werewolf counterpart, his his wolf correct myself, Wolfman counterpart, uh transformation, you know, and how cool that could be and dynamic, right? We could go from, you know, him in his suit and then Wolfman tattered clothes, you know, absolutely down on the ground. Yeah. I mean, and who knows, it could be you've got two rounds uh, of it or two turns, what have you, or maybe oh, wow, yeah. maybe he can do it. Maybe he can who do knows? it at will. There there's uh, all kinds of space for Atomic Mass to play with that because he's been at all of those points through the arc of his character so they can pick a time that that kind of fits what they want uh his kit to look like Mm. is essentially what i'm saying well and also too chris like you and i it's fresh in my mind but we talked hood i love the creation of a character like hood where it's like he is so different on both sides and yes there's drawbacks on both sides you know and it's like that would be so interesting for me for this werewolf character where it's like there could be a drawback on both sides but then oh yeah if you're utilizing the character better you're getting more threat out of it than the printed threat on the card because you're going back and forth with your opponent with the transformations correctly and things like that just what we talked about in hood recently where it's like there's some drawbacks but if you can work with that you can get more yeah. than three threat out of hood if you know how to play it the upside's pretty high and i i would see jack russell being a a character like that with high mm-hmm. upside probably a little more complicated to use but that's okay he's not a main you know he's on the a-list character uh, i feel like right. right i feel like you know the iron iron mans of the world have to be a little bit easier yes. to use than the moon knights Hundred percent, perfectly said. And closing out with Elsa Bloodstone, they go a lot of ways with this character. I'm very curious what they would do. It's more along the lines of like, how strong would she be, really? You know, I mean, because I could just see her being a role player three threat that just can kill stuff, amazing, or like all the way to something higher potentially. And I don't know. I I love to see a dynamic sculpt for her too, and all of her gear on her. You know, like her weapons, her stakes. Oh, sure. Yeah, her wrist gauntlets, all the things she has that we know her in modern day, sort of that demon hunter sort of look, you know, that monster hunter, demon hunter look where it's like, I've got all the gear 
for all types of different monsters, you know, and I'm ready to approach any situation. And I, you know, that trans that stuff translates well to minis too, because little yes, details like that really make a model stand out from the crowd. And I could see her gear being a big part of her sculpt. Maybe I could as well. I have no basis for this. I have no nothing. This is just what it feels like in this moment to me, but she kind of feels like a kind of mid range three threat that brings an amazing tactical card or two. I mean, yeah, magic's in the game, right? Journey through exactly. Limbo is an amazing card. She fits her three threat role, and she has a role that she plays. So yeah, I'm, I'd love to hear. I'd love to see what AMG ends up doing with these characters, and if they do them at all, uh, one can hope. But it'd just be cool, like Chris said, to flesh out the Midnight Suns. And you know, we touched on Man Thing. The coolest thing about Man Thing is. That's a kind of developer's dream because he is one of those characters, depending on where you grab him, what you want oh, from yeah. him. He could be three threat all the way to six or five or something, right? Like it's it's what you want, what the game needs, you know? And right. I think that's the decision they would make. And I find that very cool, but he could just be a bruiser all the way to a sort of mystic teleporting high damage dealer. Feels bruiser. like a four threat bruiser to me. Yeah. But time will tell. Maybe a slow one. He's got to be slow. We know that. Really hard part to balance in Marvel is short moving characters because it is yes. such a drawback. It is such a drawback. So to get it's that tough. to work is is very cool. But oh man, Chris, this is very exciting. These characters and this spooky season that leads us to kind of the meat of our discussion today, which is the Werewolf by Night Disney Plus special and review. This trailer came out of nowhere, and I was pretty in shock. They were making the creative decision to do it in the classic style, do it in black and white, make it look like a 1930s monster film, kind of are the pivotal monster films that inspired these characters that exist in Marvel, which I think was a really cool spiritual circle we got going here. You know, you have stuff like the Wolfman and then all the way we're in modern day, not only in modern day in Marvel, but modern day in Marvel in our world that has this prolific MCU, right? Which is a whole nother facet of Marvel that didn't exist. I was like, well, I'm gonna have a good, good October. You know, I'm very excited. It did bum me out that it was a special and not a film. That's something we'll talk probably a little bit more later. But I do also like the special format because it does feel like those specials back in the day. Yeah, it's something they reference in this movie. I mean, they literally opened the, the film with a Marvel special, like those old CBS specials in like the seven, 60s or 70s, right? Where it's like sort of like a, a one-hour special. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're really playing into that. Uh, including with the, uh, the kind of black and white uh, filter over it, uh, which I mostly liked. It was oh, like talking about the making it look like film. It, well, it didn't look like film. That's the thing. <laughs> You're saying it's still digital. It's still clearly digital. Um, I do like that someone did take all the time and effort to go in and add the film grain. And then more importantly, like the scratches, the hairs and the cigarette burns. The cigarette burns to me, you know, yep. change the reel. That does make it feel like an old film. I liked all of those. I, I really did. But not everyone can be Tarantino and film with that stuff. <laughs> well, Marvel could. They could afford it if they wanted to. But, you know, it, it just, was an It just effect. missed the mark a little bit. That's all I'm saying. But I, I do appreciate the thought behind it. Not not yeah. like a, a takedown. Just- and overall, it didn't. It did. It was the right choice. Overall, even though it's clearly still digital and it's it's it improves the film. It does improve the film. You're absolutely correct. So I want to talk about something really cool while we're here, Chris, because you guys know I love film on this podcast and I love filmmakers and I love all the history and things around that. So this was directed by Michael Giacchino. This is his first film ever he's ever directed. And Michael Giacchino is a prolific composer. He is one of the main composers of the MCU, and he's kind of been... You know, some people have talked about the MCU in recent years has gone down in quality for them. But to me, one thing that I know for for certain is like the music has gone up in quality in a lot of recent years. And a big part of that is because Michael Giacchino, his first project he did was Doctor Strange 1. And he composed that Doctor Strange, you know, harpsichord theme that's so Mm -hmm. different from with the strange scales that's so different from the rest of the Marvel generic fanfare. It's cool that he gets to be composer and director on this. Very unique for a filmmaker. Very unusual. Very cool. 
And it's, you know, like I said, we got this CBS Marvel special thing at the front, and then we immediately go into the Marvel fanfare music that switches to black and white with a werewolf slash, and it switches to like 1930s instrumentation and vocal choir. That was obviously him again too, right? Because he's he's done the Marvel fanfare music, so it's like, it's cool that he's getting to play with his own musical projects, but... Um, I just find this very cool because I dug into a little bit because I was like, how did he get to direct? And I guess it was one of those things. He had a conversation with Feige one day and and he told Feige, you know, the whole reason I got into this business, I always wanted to direct. But then I kind of found my passion and skill in composing and he's composed so many great things. Yes, he has. Feige was like, well, if you could do anything in Marvel, what would it be directorial wise? And he was like, werewolf by night. (laughs) And he just like, he said he didn't miss a beat and said it. And then he said, you know. That was three and a half years ago, and now it's out in the world. That's really cool. I that's the type of stuff I really like about Feige, where it's like he's letting his creators do things, and this was a risk to have someone who's never directed direct, but it worked. It absolutely did. It will come as no surprise to you, the listener. It, it has received uh, great reviews from critics and audiences alike. Right. Look, it's really good. I, I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> it's very good. We can go into a couple things that stood out maybe to me, which is very cool, is um the cast. Casting Gail Garcia Bernal as Jack Russell. Perfect. He's an incredible actor. He's one of those underrated actors who's been in so many things every time you see him, he's such a good job. And it's very spiritual for me, Chris, because it's this sort of like he got his start in two thousand, really early two thousands, but like really his career his career kind of kicked off two thousand one and he was in a project with one of my favorite actors, Diego Luna. Yeah. It's one of these things. They were in a film called Itu Mama Tambien, and it was a kind of an indie darling at the time. And kind of the rest is history. They've kind of become superstars. And I, and here I am, I go to Disney Plus, you know, and I see Gail Garcia Bernal leading a MCU project. And I see Diego Luna leading an incredible Star Wars project, like it, on both on the Disney Plus main page. And it's, it's just very cool for Pretty both cool. these actors. And um, I don't know, I think... He was a good choice because you were talking about Chris, this character. Um, I'd love to learn more about him on our show, but it's like Jack is, uh, you know, just like every other wolf man in history. It's, it's, there's more complexity than just, oh, he turns into a werewolf. You know, there's more than that. And they actually cover a lot of that in this film because it's so quick. So to get that off with an actor and kind of to deliver the character in this short of time span in a film with this many characters, I don't know. I just think it's impressive. Well, they did a great job. Because Jack really isn't the clear focal point for a right. while. You're not really sure who is at first, but I mean, of course, we know. Yeah, it's kind of titular. Uh, intrigue, mis- mystique, yeah, sort of. A uh, little, little mystery there about yeah. things. And it's just, they introduce everything about Jack Russell and the werewolf by night very, very organically. There's not some long diatribe mm. about his powers which you see in many many superhero oh yeah i mean it power based anything really is just a lot of exposition i was actually really happy to see to see a lot of that as you're saying chris be be shown not told you know because right the mcu does have an issue with telling even something they've been doing in some of the recent shows they've been just telling so much and it's like well just just show we have the time and you know respect your audience and i feel like they do respect their audience here and as you said you're kind of dropped right into the story um you talked about the bloodstone family at the beginning of this episode and you talked about the stone is up for grabs and it's sort of this free for all but oh well, there's also a monster involved and the second i heard that i was so excited because i knew it had to be man thing i just knew it had to be. <laughs> I, I was like has to be but it becomes this sort of monster hunter free for all and like you said Jack seems like the most protagonist character, but is he the protagonist? Oh, oh, Elsa Bloodstone showed up, played by Laura Donnelly, who has not been in much. So I'm actually very excited to see more of her because I love when you they cast characters like this and they're indie actors or they've just been on some television oh, yeah. series. Like in her case, she's she's a she's a side character in Outlander, which is a very famous show. But it's like when that's all these act- actors and actresses have got to do, and then they get a project like this, I always get so excited because it's like, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. It's an absolutely big deal to be part of the MCU and especially to be one of the heroes in the MCU. And that's right. You know, I, I think she did a pretty good job. I'm excited mm-hmm. to see where, not only where they go with her career, but just, 
where we go with these characters. I want to see them on screen mm. again. And I'm not sure when that will happen, if that will happen, but it was very cool to get what we got. It will happen. Just question of when. Yeah. Is yeah. I Maybe know. Blade. But, who knows? Yeah. And you can see we're, we framed our discussion today around Jack Russell, Elsa Bloodstone and the man thing, because really at its heart, this film is a kind of starting point for those three characters. Really? I think that's the biggest takeaway from this film is like, we kind of got three new leads that are going to show up in other projects around this right. universe. Like Chris mentioned blade or like moon Knight. And when are they going to show up? And I love these characters. I love all three of them. And I love that we kind of got a brief introduction to all three of them. But we kind of know who they are initially and we we want more and that's and it ends. So <laughs> that, that's, that's a good sign of good writing. And, um, good content where it's like, well, now I want to s- more of these characters and I want to see where they go, but it's over. It didn't end too soon. I was ready for another hour. It's my only complaint of the entire thing. I think it's wonderfully executed. I think the score is out of control. I think the the shots are beautiful and the actions yes, are really well done. And the homages are abound. If you're a fan of this genre or especially the old films of this genre, but it's like my only complaint is that it was a special and not a fe- full feature because I feel like they could do so much with the full feature here because Every character was so good, Chris. Even all these side characters of of these side hunters and their deaths were very brilliant. Great horror deaths. And I also like the black and white could uh, let Marvel mm-hmm. get away with a little bit more gore and blood than normal. Oh, and they absolutely did. Yeah. They, they utilized they used as a that. tool. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was good. Oof. And a lot more than we've seen on any other Disney Plus show to date. That's very true. <laughs> That's very so, true. Pretty pretty interesting. You're probably like you're probably right in your assumption that it's because it is in black and white. Yeah. You know, the optimist in me is hoping that maybe <laughs> we're slowly inching towards slightly more not all geared for family content. Or I mean, you know, I feel like we're already there. Family yeah. with young children content i don't know maybe that's me as as someone without children i feel like we're already there because i mean recent mcu projects have pushed the envelope a little bit at least when it comes to a little little bit i mean i she hulk eternals there's a lot of things where there's a lot more adult themes and situations that are not in other mcu projects that are in those that you know there's a reason they have the ratings they do and the cap one has the rating it does you know what i mean it's just like there's stuff like that but it's it's weird with ratings too, you know, and it's weird with um, the separation between the box office and the streaming services. She-Hulk can sure. do more things from a more adult themes and discussions and stuff because it is streaming and it's not a film. But if it was, if we had a She-Hulk film, some of that would be stripped away because of the little kid market like you talked about, the teen sure. market, and then uh, the China market. There's a lot of things, you know, That's unfortunately. True. So it's interesting what they can do with the streaming. And I, and I think this is like some of the peak of disney plus content because this is using the format to create something new inventive and different and it's still saying on its own work within the mcu that uh, that's that's good because it's shaking things up you know some of the biggest complaints of the mcu is that this is not attempted and well clearly it's being attempted stuff like this you know what i mean so i think those people need to pay attention to stuff like this well <laughs> you know they've they're probably already ducked out we'll likely talk more about that set of folks if we ever uh, do a discussion on She-Hulk, but right, I think this does, like I said, hopefully signal some uh, kind of different directions, maybe a little more creativity with the MCU, especially the Disney Plus shows. Yeah. I, I don't think it'll hurt for them to step outside of the box a little more. I think that's kind of what people are craving at the moment. Yeah. Like you alluded to. Too. so. A lot of the shows have been doing that all differently. They're slow. They're slowly stepping out. Kind of feels like we're we're seeing what works right now. Yeah, but every show was very different. Like credit where credits due. It's like you know, outside of Falcon and Winter Soldier, all these shows were attempting something very different tonally or stylistically or story wise. You know, and that means a lot to me. Some of them work, and some of them don't work. And that's by nature how it's going to happen. But this, to me. Uh, this is getting on the comfort zone even more. And the fact that it was a special, the fact that it was a horror special, the fact that it was black and white, the fact that it was an homage to a monster movie, there's a lot of things stacked up against it. And for it to be this good, this well executed, and for you to have a feeling of interest towards the characters at the end, I think says it all, you know? And I think it's going to be really rewatchable too. I think it's one of the, probably the more rewatchable ones on Disney Plus because it is, it is short, but, but there's little details. Point. 
It's a self-contained story. It's not mm. two hours. It is an easy watch. Great point. I think this could be something you return to every spooky season. It's something Ooh, I probably perfect, will. Perfect. Yeah. It's something I like to see Michael Chiaquino return to every spooky season. <laughs> like just Wouldn't give that this be guy cool? a special for Halloween every, every year. Yeah. Right. And let him do like a man thing story. Let him do, you know, Elsa Bloodstone story. Let him do a Jack Russell story. And uh, let's get more of this Gail Garcia Barnall Jack Russell. Cause I was so interested by his character and his sort of, he did a fantastic job, his respect and fear of his other side, you know, but his also like good nature. I, they did a yes. really good job of conveying this character to us quickly who the Jack is. And, and that's, I think that's 100% on Bernal. Yeah. And and probably some of the directing as well. Like I I don't want to, Yeah, but what an actual wonderful performance to get, like you said, get us so invested, but not only that, he just, he did such a wonderful job of setting himself apart from the quote unquote monster hunters, uh, just through body language and facial expressions, uh, tonality in his lines. He was incredible. Hmm. Agreed. Actually incredible. No, absolutely. I mean, so much of acting is when you're not speaking, right? And he's he's one of the best at that, for sure. And we've mentioned Man-Thing. We'll talk about him now, Chris. Him being in this film. Also, the black and white, I think, really, really helped. The, it really helped Man-Thing. Yeah, it really helped. Like, I'm not saying the effects were actually pretty amazing for Man-Thing. Some of the best I've seen in Marvel recently, especially with some of the issues we've been seeing with Marvel with the visual yeah. effects in recent years. He felt weighty. You know, he had his look, his visage, Chris was talking about perfectly. And then his eyes, the glow, you know, it's like using stylistic choices to make certain red in this glow, in particular, the bloodstone and man's thing's eyes. And I don't know, like he felt like the character and he also was very scared. It was, he, he was more in this, in this thing, he was more the Chewbacca and less of the Cthulhu, but then it's like, we got to see his power (laughs) as well. (laughs) quite a bit of it and he's he's kind of straddling that line it seems between mm, lacking you know pure empath man thing and the man thing that return retains some humanity because in the way they kind of got around that you have to be in a good mood like he's empathic and and fear tastes bad is you know or you need to let know his him name. know you know his name and, and, and just <laughs> treat him nice and he's a really nice guy. And it's it's a very interesting way to straddle the line between that so we can get that kind of mm. empath stories and feelings, but there's just enough humanity there for us to identify with the character in some kind of way. And I, elegant solution, man. Just really smart. Yeah, very elegant. And I love how he was kind of brought into the story and how he escapes and then comes back at the end and he just plays his role quite well and 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 i don't think he i think it was very tactful the way they used him and he was not overused you know and i think that made you enjoy his presence on screen more because he was on screen it was very minimal but when every time he was on screen he did something notable true connection with those eyes those vfx artists worked really hard on that character it's very obvious and he had some uh vocalizations too which were very he um, did connecting you know like he he felt like a true living being and you know the entire cast was so good like yes especially during their their little burning alive scenes <laughs> everyone did such a great job oh, how yes. hard how hard would that be you know you're just <laughs> reacting to you know people holding giant green hands often it's right. very tough and pretty impressive stuff excellent absolutely excellent you know 50s horror movie mm-hmm. uh, facial reactions. Great. I guess I got to close with something that's really cool. And, you know, finale of this film is they they force Jack's transformation to come out, right? Once again, it's very similar to the man thing where Jack's like, you need to look at me in the eye. You need to acknowledge you know me. I need to smell you. Yeah. And you will survive. I'll say unbelievable shot of his transformation. It's very classic 30s and 40s where it's like, yeah the shadows you know what you don't see it's the hitchcock thing what you don't see is you know your your imagination mm. is doing more mm-hmm. work than the camera can even do and then when he transforms in the werewolf chris he is a practical suit and i was tears of joy for me tears of joy i it's so important to me 
as a fan of this genre and, and all these things. And I, I, I think it, I just think it's, it helps the character too, because you can still see his face. And once again, Michael Giacchino, Giacchino really loves these comics because they go straight from the comics. You know, Jack is a wolf man. He is not a werewolf. I know he is werewolf by night, but he is a wolf man in the classic sense. You know, that's a big thing. Uh, if you're into these movies or genres at all, I mean, there's a big distinction between wolf man and the werewolf and the lichen. And he is always leaned on the on the wolf man side, less of the werewolf lichen side. And that's the that's the style of choice they chose for this, which fit the setting in look of the movie even more the black and white look right oh it absolutely did and they did a an absolutely wonderful job of in those action scenes really mm. capturing that uh that that kind of 30s 40s 50s vibe yes but also updating it and and having it be a little more smooth a little more believable just no you know modern stunt and choreography but a real guy in a suit doing it real guy in a suit doing it. And I love that. I love that so much. And you mentioned the forcing Mm. Jack to transform. And who was it that, that forced Jack to transform? It's these other hunters, right? Yeah. That want the bloodstone, but these other hunters are uh, the widow of. Yeah. And and there are, they are humans. That's right. Jack and Man Thing are the monsters here, but they are, you know, duality of man. I'm just just had to bring it full circle there. Very good. You know, Chris. had to get a little philosophy in there. No, it's it's very much it's very much the case and um duality of man indeed. Who's the real monster here, Jesse? I know. <laughs> Fun trivia fact, the actor who played Man Thing, I assume was in the full mocap suit and stuff. His name is Kerry Jones, and he was the guy that played Black Chrysanthemum in the book of Boba Fett. So there you go. What a lucky guy to have two cool characters like that. Dude, and hey, super look, cool. Like S tier cool. I'm about to say S tier cool, and my Wookiee analogy is complete, Chris. I've come full circle. We have with both my done a great job. <laughs> of drawing circles audibly in this particular podcast episode. Incredible. But congrats to that guy. And hopefully he gets to play man thing and black chrysanthemum more in the future, because those are great monster characters in star Wars and Marvel respectively. I love to see more of it. And congrats to us uh, for fulfilling our side quests. <laughs> That's so true. But yeah. At the end of the day, Chris, this is a, this was an experiment that went so wonderfully right. Absolutely. I mentioned the music. I'll mention again. This guy is a brilliant composer. You know, Michael Giacchino, he's actually one of the few composers in Star Wars that has been a Star Wars composer that's not John Williams. Like, that's saying something. That's that's a big yes, thing. Yes, that's true. Uh, he's done music for Rogue One and now um, Andor and some other credits lately. And it's like, he had an eye for filming this. And I find it very cool that like the shots were, we didn't go full MCU with spectacle. Everything served the story. It was, and it would, that was part of the refreshing nature of this, yes. uh, of this special. That was a big part of it. And then, like even the camera and stuff, Chris mentioned, like you know, the action maybe being a bit more updated, but it's like the camera was still bound by the rules of old cameras, and it's like that's what makes things feel real. Honestly, it's like when the camera is now when a drone can't even fly the way the cameras are flying in an MCU film. That's when it starts feeling like VFX because we we know how these things work with our eyes and the visual effects, and I feel like all the MCU see projects that kind of taper that stuff down always do better and this one was so cool and last thing i mentioned chris the setting the setting was cool like the 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 labyrinth like mini oh, yeah man like city catacombs on the, on the bloodstone like, in the bloodstone mansion yeah yes man. yeah and then you had some like spooky trees and all kinds of stuff too and other settings and of course the sacrificial the sacrificial room sure and uh, just tons of easter eggs everywhere of course oh but- my gosh you know, and you know, Jesse, we we started that with you mentioning what it was for you that that set this one over the top. But for me, it was the acting. It I really think you're was. Right. Yeah, that was. I thought the story was. It was a well executed special all the way through. But the acting, I thought, was kind of over the top in a good way. And yes. that was really what wowed me with this one. I mean, yeah. And it's hard if you've got a good, well written story and you've got actors that can execute that. I mean, could you ask for more? I don't think so. Hats off to Gil Garcia Bernal kind of leading this project. And, you know, I'd love to see more from Laura Donnelly as this version of Elsa Bloodstone. I think we will. The reveal of the color at the end, uh, seeing Elsa in her red jacket and then seeing Jack and Man-Thing in full color. Yeah. 
after the credits was just a neat sort of like reminder. This is the MCU. They are in the MCU, but this was a stylistic choice for this film. Man, that was cool. <laughs> it was cool. And I want to hang out with Jack and Men thing. I know. They seem fun. They seem fun for sure. But yeah, we highly recommend this project. And um, I'm looking forward to more of this stuff in the future. And in my mind, Chris, all this paves the way for Blade. I hope. And more Moon Knight. We'll, we'll see how that goes. There's been a lot of not great rumors about how Blade's going. But right. that's probably a different podcast. Probably a different podcast. And uh, we'll just keep holding our breath about Blade. And let's get Man-Thing, Werewolf by Night, and Elsa Bloodstone. And MCP and in more of the MCU because this was a home run. Here, here. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show online. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com with any inquiries, ideas, or collaborations. And leave us reviews on your podcast platform of your choice to really help us out and help us grow. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our show's music. And like Jesse said, please, if you can, on a platform, please rate, please review. It, it helps so much. Mm-hmm. And we love you guys for it. And I'm sorry... Like I say every week, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry we have to keep having this this little segment. Jesse, where can they find you? Everyone can find me online. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T, basketball. Basketball. Well, Chris, when this is out and people are listening, we are leaving for Warfare Weekend and then participating in that crazy stuff. And I hope we did okay. I hope we did okay, too. I'm sure we did. I'm sure we had a good time. It's the most important part of this. And, you know, it's that con. Cons are just so much fun. And to go to a con and meet people and hang out after the games and stuff, that's really what it's about. You know, the games come, the the games themselves come second. And it's it's just a true, I don't know, community building event that's really special, you know? And every time you get one of these, it's like that. Now, of course, it matters on the region and who's coming and stuff like that. So, sure. Hopefully we you found us if you're a listener to the podcast. Uh, but if not, you know, some bigger ones in the future that we're planning to go to, we're hoping to find people there. But it is fun to start with one like Warfare Weekend that's fairly big and we'll work, at, or work our way up to some bigger ones in the future, you know. And uh, I don't know, just keep playing MCP and uh, meeting you guys. It's very fulfilling and very rewarding. I don't know. Like Lone Star Open for me, Chris, was one of my favorite things I've done so far with the podcast and everything just where it's like meeting people and hanging out after, you know, like that was the best part. That was the best part. Not winning, <laughs> like not, you know, not taking the championship. Like it was that's it good. Was, Cause that's something I'm probably not going to experience. <laughs> well, you say that, but you never know. It's, Oh, you, you never know. know. You never know. And, um, I don't know. I'm really excited about what the future for the game is in, this competitive scene and hopefully we'll have some fun thoughts when we get back and until next time you guys can catch us there so until next time thanks for listening true believers excelsior the world has gotten even stranger than you already know at this point i doubt anything would surprise me 10 bucks says you're wrong 